Ah, oh, man, 10 minutes later. Ling, 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 ling. I run upstairs. I dive under that bed. I nearly knocked myself out. I hit that beam on the bottom. And Hardy's not here. Oh, no, Daddy ran out the door. I said, Hardy, I tell you what, that happens again. You ring the bell, I'm coming. Happened twice more that night, three nights in a row, twice then, never again. Why? Because Heidi knew I understood her fear of the dark. That was just one of the humorous accounts of Brad Sadler, our guest speaker, on today's Focus on the Family. Brad spoke at a Focus on the Family parenting event a few years ago, and his message impacted hundreds of parents who came to find out how they could approach their parenting with a few new strategies. And Graham, you got to listen to Brad in person at the events. Did you find that the parents responded well to Brad's message? Absolutely. I, I was there and I got to witness parents just relaxing in their seats as Brad spoke in his easygoing way, but sometimes also just lifting their heads and laughing out loud. But I think I also saw some lights turning on as these parents were helped to find some new perspectives on some tricky areas of parenting. It was really amazing to see. Well, let's go now to that recorded message and you can hear for yourselves the very funny and entertaining Brad Sadler offering help and practical wisdom for parents. Did you know that um, of all the books available today on parenting, if you divided them by 365, all the books, um, to the days of the year, you'll discover that there's been an average of 10 books written every day for the last 21 years. In fact, there's 78,000 odd books on parenting available to you today. And when I say that, it sounds like a little bit of overkill. It really does. Uh, but I, I read an interesting book a little while ago by the Barner Group. They are a Christian research organization. And uh, what Barner did is they got all these books, as many as they could, and they said, Let's see if there's some commonality between them. What are, what are these books about? And so what they did find, they found there was great advice on parent attributes. They found there was practical application of parenting methods and skill. They, they found there was all these skills needed to raise children. And so this list went on. And all of these are good. And we're going to talk about some of them this evening. But uh, according to Bonner, what was lacking and uh, what I believe is the motivation to why we parent. The motivation for engaging in parenting. Why do we actually parent? Apart from the fact that we got given children. The, the motivation is simply this. Is that we want them to live as God had created them to be. We want them to live life to the full. And uh, we want them actually to fulfill their God-given purpose. That is the motivation behind parenting. And so if I've given you the motivation, you say, well, Brad, that's great. I'm now all motivated. Woo! God created them, and then, but you don't understand. I've got a little monster at home. No, no. Tonight, we're going to learn a little bit about how do I do this? How do I parent this child that they can fulfill God's purpose um, on this earth? I want to read you a quote. It says this. The children now love luxury. They show disrespect for older people. They love to chatter instead of exercise. They no longer rise when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents and tyrannize their teachers. Sounds familiar of other people's children. Not so. Yeah. Well, it's a quote from Socrates who lived 2,400 years ago. And so when you read that, you go, well, you know, well, our parents didn't face the challenges we face. I want to tell you there's some things we have in common. 
And it's been across 2,400 years. Some things remain the same. And so parenting is not something that you can abdicate from. When you get children, you're a parent 24-7. You can't stop the clock. You can't clock out. You are a parent until the day you die. My one daughter is married now. I'm still her father. In fact, when she got married, just before she got married, it was about a week before, she said, Dad, um, now that I'm getting married to Yaku, and he's a great son-in-law, by the way, he said, now that I'm getting married to Yaku, uh, him and I are now uh, responsible for our life. Is it, aren't we? I said, well, yeah. She said, so whatever we do, it's our responsibility. I said, no. You see, the fact is, no matter how old she gets, as long as I'm alive, I'm still her father. And I am a father-in-law. You know, my son-in-law, him and I get on so well. You know why? I see him as a son. He sees me as a father. And so in parenting, sometimes we can choose to do it or not do it well. But if you have children, they will watch your every move. They will listen to every word you say, even though it might seem like they're not listening. They are listening. And so what it does mean is you go, what? My children are listening and watching to everything I do. Oh, man. I say, no, no. You're looking at it the wrong way. It's a joy because it means you can influence them. It means you can encourage them. It means you can make a difference in their life. Children are great copycats. And I had a lady one day, she came to the church. She said, Brad, please help me. I said, what's wrong? She says, my daughter. I said, how old's your child? She says, she's five. She shouts all the time. She doesn't talk. She shouts at me. She shouts at other people. I said, really? Are you loud? Oh, I'm Italian. Of course I am. I said, do me a favor. For the next month, can you speak normally around the house and to your daughter? She said, oh, all right. Ah, it wasn't even a month. Two weeks later, she came back. She hugged me. She said, Brad, you're a genius. I said, why? She says, my daughter's not shouting anymore. I said, I know, because she's copying you. You see, children will do that. And then you know what people say, oh, well, it's only until they're age five or six. No, no. Your teenagers and your adult children will copy your behavior. That is a wonderful opportunity that you and I have. We can influence our children. Uh, it's all about perception. Do we see the wood for the trees? Here's a letter that I found. It was from a young woman who wrote to her parents from Varsity. She said this, Dear Mom and Dad, It's been six months since I left for university, and I have been remiss in writing. I'm sorry for my thoughtlessness and not having written before. I will bring you up to date, but please, before you read on, sit down. I'm getting along pretty well now. The skull fracture and concussion I received when I jumped out of the window of my dormitory when it caught fire shortly after my arrival here is well healed now. I only spent two weeks in the hospital and now I can see almost normally and only get blackouts once a day. <laughs> Fortunately, the fire in the dormitory and my jump was witnessed by an attendant at a local petrol station near the dorm. He was the one who called the fire department and the ambulance. He also visited me in the hospital, and since I had nowhere to live because of the burnt-out dorm room, he was kind enough to invite me to share his flat with him. He's a very kind boy, and we've fallen deeply in love and are planning to get married. We haven't got the exact date yet, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. 
I know how much you're looking forward to being grandparents, and I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same love and devotion and tender care you gave me when I was a child. The reason for the delay in our marriage is that my boyfriend had a minor infection that I carelessly caught from him, but it should clear up now that I'm on penicillin. <laughs> now that I have brought you up to date, I want to tell you there was no dorm fire. I do not have concussion or a skull fracture. I was not in hospital, I'm not pregnant, and I'm not engaged. I'm not infected, and there's no boyfriend. However, I'm getting an E in economics and an F in business science, and I want you to see those marks in their proper perspective. <laughs> you see, it's about how you choose to see what you see. Do you know that applies to our children? I'm going to ask you often tonight, how do you see your children? Foundation number one, accepting our children for who they are. You know that seeking acceptance is a natural thing for you and for me and for our children. We all want acceptance from somebody. It's a real thing. You know that if children do not find acceptance from you, they will go and find it somewhere else. But we need to accept them in their success. You know what I see time and time again? I see a mom and a dad running up and down the sideline of the sports field. Shouting at their children. Screaming, not encouragement, but belittling and negative. Throwing things around when they miss a kick. Or shouting, you useless when they miss a goal. I've seen it. I've been there. You see, they place unrealistic demands on the child. Oh man, I'm so glad God gave me daughters. I meet people, they say, Brad, you're so lucky you've got daughters and not sons. Sons are so difficult. I must tell you, James Dobson wrote two books, Bringing Up Boys and Bringing Up Girls. He took one year to write Bringing Up Boys, 14 years to write Bringing Up Girls. <laughs> Girls are different to boys. We've got to accept it. Girls like training wheels on their bicycles. Boys just like a steep hill. That's the way it works. When I walk around, I know who's got sons. They've always got bandages and plasters in their pockets. <laughs> you see, with girls, their dads are their personal exterminator. You know the kind you get that blood-curdling stream from their room? And uh, I run upstairs, almost break my neck getting there. As I get there, they on a chair. There's a tiny gecko on the floor. He's like scared stiff too. Ooh! All they is, ah, kill it, kill it, kill it. I look at them, I say, am I your personal assassin? You, my dad, kill it. Now, boys are different. They'll be playing with it or eating it. That's how they are. <laughs> Listen, this happened when they were five. It still happens at 25. Girls do not change. They are girls. Praise the Lord for that. And boys will be boys. We've got to accept them in their gender. What about accepting them in their natural gifts and abilities? Now, I'm telling you, I'm sporty. I play provincial sport. I love sport. I watch sport. I live sport. On top of that, I'm what you can term a type A personality. Now, a type A personality is simply this. Everything is a race. And if there's no one to race, you race yourself. That's a type A personality. Oh, my youngest daughter, Heidi, she has a gift. 
she can run forever and not get tired. She doesn't even break a sweat. And so the one day she invites me to the marathon at the school. So I think, oh, hell, Heidi, she's going to be the next Ola Bud. Oh, yeah. And so off they go. Three laps. It's a long, it's a long race. And so off they go around. Comes the first lap. Oh, she's in that front group. The other kids are sweating buckets. Heidi, not even a drop of sweat on her brow. She's just jogging like it was the first time she started the race. They go the second. I can see them. There they go. She comes. She's in the front by about three meters. She's going to win. She gets to the top. She is way in front. Comes down on the last bend. I wait. I wait. I see. There she comes. She stops and starts running on the spot. I'm like, Hardy, run. What are you doing? She's jogging like a she waves. She gives me the hand. I'm like, come on. But what, Brad, you're making a spectacle. Oh, no. Come on. She lets two girls pass her. And then she runs. She comes third. I go to Optus, Hardy, what were you thinking? She said, Dad, did you see the look on those first two girls' faces? They loved it. You see, when I come to realize Heidi has a heart this big, she is compassionate and merciful. Imagine if I'd said to her, don't you ever let anyone beat you again. I would crush that compassion out of her. You see, we've got to allow our children to be themselves in their abilities and their talents. You know, Heidi's not the one at all costs like her father, but she has taught me so much about loving other people. Our children will teach us things that we, ever, we never believe possible if we let them do it. We've got to allow them to be who they are. My question is, do you know your child? Do you really know who they are? You know, Heidi was our youngest daughter, and at a very young age, she was afraid of the dog. She really didn't like the dog. And so often she'd say, oh, Dad, can you please stay a bit longer? Oh, would you leave the light on? And uh, you know that most people shouldn't sleep in a brightly lit room. It's, in fact, it's a medical fact. The reason is something called melatonin. It's a natural hormone. And you should sleep in a, in a dim room. And so it's not good for kids to sleep with a bright light on. They can sleep with a night light or the passage light on. And so I came up with this idea because Heidi was afraid of the dark. And so I said to my wife, babe, I've got this idea. Let's give her a bell and a torch. She said, you're making a rod for your back. I said, no, 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 I've got this idea. Let's give her a bell and a torch. I go to Heidi. I said, Heidi, listen, when you're afraid of the dark, because you know why children are afraid of the dark? They're not afraid of the dark. They're afraid of what they can't see in the dark. So they'll always tell you there's something in the dark. It's not the dark they're afraid of. It's what they imagine is in the dark. They have a great imagination. Why crush that? So I said, Heidi, next time you're in the dark and you think you see something, you ring the bell. Shine the torch in its eyes. I'm coming. I'm going to come help you. She said, Dad, really? I said, I'll be here like a flash. Oh, I give her the bell and the torch. I go downstairs. My wife looks at me. Oh, oh Mr. Flash. <laughs> ah, it wasn't five minutes. Ling, 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 ling. 
I run up that room. I jump inside. I open those cupboards. Come out, you staring hardy. She says, Dad. I said, what? She says, he jumped out the window. I said, okay, Hardy, okay. Don't panic. He comes again. You ring the bell. I'm going to sort him out. Thank you, Dad. Off we go. I go downstairs. My wife says, and? I said, oh, I've got under control. Ah, oh, man, 10 minutes later. I run upstairs. I dive under that bed. I nearly knocked myself out. I hit that beam on the bottom. And Hardy's not here. Oh, no, Dad. He ran out the door. I said, Hardy. I tell you what, that happens again. You ring the bell, I'm coming. Happened twice more that night, three nights in a row, twice then, never again. Why? Because Heidi knew I understood her fear of the dark. All she wanted to know was dad would come running, no matter what. She wanted safety and security. You see, it's knowing our children, knowing them for who they are. You see, I could have said to Heidi, stop being a ninny. You're six years old. You shouldn't be afraid of the dark. You know what I'm saying to her? No, the fact that you want security is not important to me. And only happened for a week. What's a week's investment in my child's life? It's nothing. Do you know that when we get to know our children, we get to know their fears, but we get to know what makes them happy. What are the things that they celebrate and they're joyful about? gets us to know that. Do you know that it's also that we mourn their losses with him? Sometimes we cry with him. Tessa, my eldest daughter, I don't know what it was, she just could not pass her driver's license. She, if you had to meet Tessa, she's one of the most confident people that you would ever meet. She is a strong-willed child. When I say strong-willed, I kid you not. She's the capital S and capital W in strong will. But she could not pass her driver's license. Six times to pass her driver's license. And, um, and so what we did was she passed on the sixth time. She got home. My wife, Esty, had SMSed me. Brad, hallelujah, Tessa passed. I got home. I said, Tessa, come here, you good thing. Oh, man, Jody Schechter got nothing on you. We are going to celebrate. She said, Really? I said, yo, where do you want to go? She said, Dad, I want to go to Spur. I said, okay, we will go to Spur. We all got in the car, off we go. We're driving to Spur. We're about halfway there. I said, wait. I said, Tessa, this is like a big day. It's like the biggest thing's ever happened. She said, yo, Dad, you're right. I said, ah, Spur's not going to cut it. We need to go to that smart Japanese restaurant in Durban. Really, Dad? I said, yo, quick dress check, because they're quite strict about the way you come in there. Oh, we all got decent. Okay, Tessa had no slippers on. Let's go. Off we go. Japanese restaurant. We arrived there. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a proper Japanese restaurant. They got these tiny little girls, like red, like with these little funny little eyes. And they go, ha, ha, ha. My kids walked in. Oh, Dad. This is Japanese. I said, I know. It's the real thing. We get down. We sit down. They've got like this big like plate in front of you. And this guy comes. He's got knives all over his chest. Oh, he builds up. And they cut this thing in front of you. They flick this. They, my kids were like, whoa, dad. This is so cool. 
Tessa was taking pictures and sending them to her friends. I'm celebrating passing my driver's license. Do you think Tessa will ever forget the day she passed her driver's license? For her, it was a big thing. You know, when we got home afterwards, Tessa said, Dad, thank you. She said, my friend also took five times to pass. All a dad could say was, about time you're costing me money. She said this to me, and I'll never forget it. She said, Dad, thank you for not belittling me. She said, I felt terrible every time I failed. She said, Dad, I wasn't used to failing. She said, but every time you had me, you had faith back into my life. She said, Dad, you know what the funny thing was? She had tears in her eyes when she was telling me. She said, Dad, Mom cried every time I failed. As if she had failed. She said, I knew Mom knew what I felt like. And she said, Dad, you told me I was never a failure. Without that, I think I might have become a failure. You see, that is the truth. You and I have that power to encourage and to motivate our children. You see, she needed to know somebody else believed in her. And that's what we do as parents. We believe in our children. Graham, I really loved listening to Brad speaking with such zeal about his own parenting successes and failures. He's made me laugh a lot. But I've also come away feeling more equipped to deal with some of the issues that face us as parents. Mm, well, I agree, Alison. I think Brad manages to take some of the tough aspects of parenting and make them seem manageable. I like how he started with something of a definition of the reason for parenting, and that was that we want our kids to fulfill their God-given purpose. And this presentation covers some foundations for parenting, which is what we actually called the event. Brad has hit two of them. They were acceptance and encouragement, and there are some more to come next time, so we've got that to look forward to. But I really appreciate Brad's heart and I can completely identify with some of his stories of bringing up girls because Mm -hmm. we've got three girls in our home. And so the incidents with girls screaming over a moth in the bathroom or (laughs) asking me to check behind the curtain because they saw something move. And actually, it's not only just our three girls. I know. It's a regular occurrence in our house. (laughs) It is. And we do attempt to dispel our child's fears by telling them there's nothing to fear. But I love Brad's approach of validating our child's feelings and making them feel safe and secure. Absolutely. I thought that was a beautiful illustration. In light of our program today, we want to mention a really great resource that's also full of fun and humor. It's called what every kid wishes their parents knew, and vice versa. Lloyd Parsons is joined by other kids to share what they wish their parents understood. The good thing is that Rob, his father, gets a chance to answer back on behalf of parents. You can call us on 031-716-3300 to order or visit our website at safamily.co.za. And while you're online, please take a look at our parenting assessment, which will help give you an honest look at your unique strengths as a parent, plus some areas that could use a little help. We want to help you identify the skills you need to raise healthy, mature and responsible children. I hope you enjoyed this locally produced Focus on the Family broadcast. 
We're airing some of our favorite local programs in the month of October as we celebrate 30 years of ministry in Africa this year. We'll be back with the conclusion of our program tomorrow. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to join us then when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.